Welcome to the Home Church Podcast, where we bring you relevant teaching, faith conversations, and much, much more. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Good morning and welcome, Home Church. I'm Garth, and today I'll be speaking about sound. The title of today's message is The Power of Your Sound. And I hope as we go through this message, you will be encouraged and to understand the value and the power of your voice, your sound, and why it's under attack. We first encounter sound in Genesis 1. It describes the earth as being without form and void. And then God said, let there be. What does this tell us? about God. It tells us that he's first a creator and that he uses his sound to call things from the invisible realm into the visible. It tells us also that the context in which he does this is a context of peace. In fact, Hebrews 11 and 3 says, by faith we understand The universe was created by the word of God, so that what was seen was not made out of things that are visible. So it also gives us the definition of faith, that faith is not just what you believe, what you imagine or see in your mind. It is what you see and declare. So it's that combination. It's what I believe and declare that forms faith. So by this process, God created Uh, the world and he called things that were not into being. So we see here that the let there be of God continues to exist because his word is eternal. What we know also about the faith aspect is that Mary, in fact, when she was confronted by the angel who told her that she was going to give birth to a child, uh, actually didn't believe it at first. But as she taught father with the angel she believed she could see it in her mind and she then responds in Luke 1 and 38 be unto me as you have said so we see this example that faith being what you perceive in your mind and declare with your mouth so God saw these things as I said and called them into being into this dominion and context of peace so we see that The imagination is that realm in which this happens. God then creates Adam and Eve, and what he says to them is, continue to do exactly what I've done. Take dominion. Their role was to call things from heaven into the earth. Now, the devil is aware of all of this going on and realizes that if he was going to now attack or undermine this process, he would have to attack the word. So what does he do? He comes to Eve and he actually says in Genesis 3 and 1, did God really say that you couldn't eat of that particular tree? In verse 4 he says, you shall not surely die, but you'll become like God with your eyes open, knowing good and evil. So in other words, he causes Eve to develop a desire, what we now know as lust, lust of the eye. She saw the fruit that it was good and lust of the flesh. 
and also then the pride of life, wanting to be like God. And so they eat of the fruit and here we go. Now man is in a hostile environment. The peace is gone. They're put out of the garden. And the Bible tells us that um, man's mind, Genesis 6 and verse 5, his imagination was now to do evil continually. So now the realm that was supposed to see and imagine and empower faith is now tainted. And what we see happening is weapons of destruction are formed. So we get bombs, we get uh, all kinds of uh, chemical warfare. And we're seeing here that man now is not just using his mind to bring kingdom ideas, he's bringing up his own ideas. And he sees himself as his own God. So what happens is that the word, which the Bible tells us in John 1 and 14, which was in the beginning with God and was God, the word takes on flesh and becomes man and dwells amongst us. So when Jesus is now tempted as Eve and Adam was, he now comes to demonstrate how we approach and deal with the enemy. What does he say? It is written in Matthew 4. He refers to what was said and three times the enemy tempted him to deal with lust of the flesh, lust of the eye and pride of life. And every single time Jesus said, it is written. Not only was he coming back to restore the original statement, the let there be of God, but he came now to demonstrate what was supposed to originally be the process for Adam and Eve. That they would call one thing from the, uh, the dimension of heaven into the earth and take dominion. So what do we see Jesus doing? He's healing the sick. He's calling forth peace in the middle of a storm. He's turning five loaves uh, uh, and, and, and two fishes to feed thousands of people. We're seeing here that he raises a dead girl, heals a sick woman, that he uh, walks on the water and Peter joins him, understanding now that this is what it means to take dominion on earth. Jesus now has demonstrated that he dies goes to the cross and takes now all authority and power. And in fact, what he says is, bows his head and said, it's finished. Man's redemption is complete. I've restored things back to their original place. So once again, the kingdom of peace is restored because now Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, has restored the peace. In fact, in Romans 5 verse 1, he says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. So he's restored the domain. He's demonstrated what it looks like to call things from heaven down to earth. And he's now demonstrated what it's like to defeat the enemy by declaring the word. And he tells us in John uh, 6 and 63 that the, our words now are spirit and they are life. So by the time we arrive at Pentecost, we've got everything we need to be restored to our original position. So here, can I tell you now that we are not simply here on a journey waiting to go to heaven. We have been restored to our original mandate, which is the prayer of Matthew 6. Let the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, you may be thinking, you're not here to invent something. But can I tell you that 
Your mind is the renewed mind. Your mind is the mind that is no longer looking to do evil continually, but is transformed. So you are the ideal person to call from the kingdom of heaven, from that invisible world, things that are required in this world. So much so that the Bible tells us here that the earth is groaning. This is Romans 8, verse 19 to 22. That the earth groans, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God here so that they can be revealed and we can begin declaring what is required to heal our land. Your voice is not ordinary. Your sound is not insignificant. You are called as a son of God to declare what God, Jesus Christ himself, demonstrated in the earth. He demonstrated for us that it's important that we know what our Father says and what is written. So, in this process, we realize that the enemy has not gone away. The devil is still after your words and your sound today. And how is he doing this? 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 tells us that the adversary of the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may defy. Why a lion? Revelation 5 and 5 tells us that Jesus is seen as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Here he goes again. He's masquerading as something that he's not in order to get a reaction out of you believing that he is what he is not. So he roars as a lion. And the whole reason why a lion roars is to defend territory. I saw an experiment actually of a caged lion who was played the sound of a roar of another male lion and he leaps up and begins to prowl around roaring to defend his territory. This is what the enemy does. He tries to draw you into a fight. But we've already heard that Jesus has defeated him, that the battle has already been won. So he's drawing you into a false fight. Now. The lion is seen as the number one or king of all beasts. He has no known predator. But what he does have is an enemy. And the BBC uh, in 2001 actually gave a story where lions were being tormented by, listen to this, flies. What seemed so small and insignificant was the enemy of the lion. And what it says here that the lions in Tanzania are being driven to an early grave by swarms of bloodthirsty flies. The flies have been particularly prevalent in the world and in the, in, in the particular part. But it says their blood-sucking insects are literally pestering the lions to death. The lions are literally being pestered to death, pounded by swarms of blood-sucking flies. And what they're doing here, it's saying that they are so traumatized by the experience that they have forgotten to eat and spend all their time trying to hide, climbing up trees and crouching in long grass. Now, what the enemy is doing is he's mimicking this roaring lion experience, but it's a lie. Now, he, the Bible tells us that um, in Hebrews, in fact, it's, uh, they, 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 the Hebrews define um, one of the names of the devil as Beelzebub. There are other names that he's called, Baal and all other, other names, but he's, he, one of them is Beelzebub. And it describes him as Lord of the Flies. 
So he's not a lion, but he's roaring and he's mimicking the pestering nature of the flies. What does it do? It basically drove the lions to distraction. They couldn't focus on what they were supposed to do, which was be lions. They could were no longer being kings. They were actually being uh, fearful, uh, whimpering beasts, running and hiding. They had got them basically to a point of depression where they were now no longer eating and they were on the verge of death. What does the enemy do? He uses his lies to tell you that you are not going to succeed, that you're going to die in that illness, that actually what you're hoping for, God is not going to come through for you. He tells you that God doesn't love you. If he did, why would this be happening to you? And by the time you begin to rehearse his lies, what start coming out of your mouth? You repeat the things that he wants you to, to say. Maybe God doesn't love me. You maybe think, well, I'm going to die. And instead of declaring that I will live and not die, you are now repeating fearful things. What is this the end for me? Oh, my business is going to go under. Oh my gosh, my marriage is going to fail. You're repeating the things that are coming out of fear. But God has given us, as Jesus demonstrated, the tactic to destroy and defeat the enemy. How do we deal with him? Remember, he's a liar who's already defeated. And in the same passage of 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, Peter gives us part of the clue. Be sober-minded, he said. In other words, don't lose your mind. The battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 15 tells us that the Lord has already won the battle. Therefore, our responsibility is not to fight the devil, it is to declare what it needs to come from heaven to manifest in the earth. But because the enemy is doing such an effective job, we're spending most of our time in fear and worrying about what he's doing rather than declaring the will of God be made manifest in the earth. So here we're told by James 4 and verse 7, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do we do this? We follow what the Father has established. It means we have to learn his language. And like Jesus say, it is written. Now, it does mean you're going to have to read your Bible. And yes, I've said it. You have to read your Bible. It is the most important book you will ever read. It holds the Constitution. It holds the language and the principles that allow you to reign in life. Now, principles are all about helping you reign. That's why it relates to a prince or a principality. So you'll find that when we wrestle against principalities, it's because they are giving out ideas that the earth is taking on board, which are evil, and they are coming up against God. And all of a sudden, we see them in laws. We see them embedded in society. But God has told us that he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And our mandate is to declare on earth what it is in heaven. So our domain, which is a domain of peace, because our God is the prince of peace, is that we keep our minds settled and stayed on him. It is no accident that the longest passage in the Bible is actually Psalms 119. It's David telling us about all the powerful things that the word of God gives us. It's telling us it's one of the most, in fact, it's the most important thing about our lives is the word. What does he tell us? Psalms 19 is a microcosm of Psalms 119, and it tells us that it's the law of the Lord, which makes perfect. 
In other words, it keeps us in a secure place. It tells us that these are precepts, which allows us to have a great relationship with God. They're commandments, so they are instructions from the Father, and they are more to be desired, verse 10 says, than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Can I tell you, you need to get into the word until it becomes sweet to your soul. When Jeremiah felt he wasn't going to talk or preach anymore because of discouragement, he said he found the word of God and he ate it was in him like a water, he said, a well of water springing, like fire, in fact, springing up in his bones, and he could not hold his peace any longer. The word of God is powerful, it is strong, it's sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of the bone and marrow. It takes down any enemy. Job actually tells us in Job 22 and verse 28, he says, You shall decide and decree a thing. Decide and decree a thing. Maybe the problem for you right now is that you're not decreeing the thing that you've decided. You're, you're being too quiet. But can I say with the hashtag, say something. What are you saying today? The enemy wants you silent. He wants you complaining about your situation. But can I tell you, when you get in the word and begin to declare the word, you'll declare the Lord is my light and my salvation. You'll declare that the Lord is my shepherd. He, I shall not want. You'll declare that I will live and not die. You will declare that the Lord is my provider, that I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. And when the enemy wants to tell me that my business is going to go under, you will tell him that the Lord is my provider and he has blessed me, that what he's begun, he's faithful to complete. We need to know that your voice matters. God is waiting on your voice to declare what is supposed to happen within the earth. So we see here that we have the authority to declare and to speak to atmospheres as Jesus did. We can talk to the atmosphere in our homes. We can talk to the situations in our workplace. We can stand in our neighborhood and declare this neighborhood belongs to God. So we see here that in doing what God has commanded us to do, we begin to say, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What do you do? You guard your heart. Luke 6 verse 45 tells us, because out of it, he said, the, mouth, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Fill your heart with the word of God. Fill your heart with the goodness of God. And watch what begins to come out of your mouth, that in those pressured moments like toothpaste squeeze, what comes out is the power and the declaration of the kingdom of God, that you as a son of God will call forth what heaven wants in the earth. Can I say maybe you are who God is waiting for to discover the cure to a disease. Maybe you have the next biggest invention. But because you're not tuning in to what needs to be called down from heaven, I'm off to work. I'm coming home. I'm watching a TV program. All these things are distractions. You are here to take dominion. Say something. Declare something. Can I encourage you, home church, to get in the word and begin to say to God, what's on your heart? What do you want me to decree and declare? Can I encourage you, intercessors, that the, in fact, Job says that when we declare in the name of Jesus Christ, he says, even if the person is not Christian, they don't know God, we can pray on their behalf and they get delivered. God has given us the authority to set people free. 
Can I encourage you today that your voice matters? It matters to God. You might not be able to say something, but you can sing. Sing and change the atmosphere. You might not be able to sing or speak, but sometimes you can groan and spiritual groanings, God hears and he answers. Whatever you do, your voice has authority and power. Why? Because it's spirit and life. And God has called you to declare in the earth, the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Can I tell you that Philippians 4, 6 and 9 explains it all. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And he says, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things and practice, practice declaring, practice. And he says, and the God of peace will be with you. I want to encourage you today that your voice matters. Stop trying to live for God and decide, I'm going to take my rightful place as one who declares the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. The devil is after your sound, after your voice. Don't let him shut your mouth. Don't let him drive you to despair. Right now, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. And watch how God begins to manifest in your life. You were born to declare the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May God bless you today. May you feel and realize that it's not about the volume of your voice. It is about the utterance of what comes out of your sound. We value you in home church. We value you in the kingdom. Imagine what it looks like if we all begin to declare and decree what God will do in our neighborhood, in our county, in our country, in our nation. May God bless you in Jesus' name. Maybe today you don't know Jesus and therefore you have no words or sound. The part of the faith is that you believe and you declare. Repeat these words after me and watch how God will come into your life. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You gave your life for me to forgive my sins and make me whole. Forgive me today. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Saviour and make me one of your children. If you prayed that prayer today, you've given your life to God. Reach out to somebody here, whether at the church or online, and we can follow and encourage you in this process so that you too can become an important sound in the kingdom of God. May God bless you. In Jesus' name.